Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, that was in a very intoxicating hockey game, I think is the right word. It was, it was absolutely in- thrilling. Intense, wasn't it? Yeah. Really, the, I, whole, the whole game was. That's the kind of game that season ticket holders, they, they go to that game and they think, you know, it was worth it to get mm-hmm. tickets. It was worth it to buy tickets. Because I bet, bet you everyone at that, that arena just had a blast, just had a ball tonight. Because that was a just a fantastic hockey game, high level of skill, high level of intensity. Um, <clears throat> I was just impressed by just the way the teams went at it. But, but again, with the, with the, um, you know, 70, eighties uh, hockey, when the jets and the owners went at it, there were some good games mm-hmm. and there were some skilled games, but just, just everyone just is so fast. Now, every single player on the ice is so fast and there's so little time on the ice. It's so compressed the decision-making and, and that's what really struck me that game. Oh, there you are. I thought I lost you for a second. Both teams had the puck on the string at times. Hey, zip, 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 zip. The passes were going, and the the breakouts and the return breakouts were just pounding back and forth at at pace. That Jets team is good too. Like that's a fantastic mm-hmm. hockey team with some really Shifley and the Wheeler and Ehlers. They've got some really and who's um, Connor. Connor? Yeah, Kyle Connor. So yeah. the Grade A chances. That's not your number, is it? You have do you have nope. a different number? Yep. So the grade A chances were 17 to 16 for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> quite a um, grade A scoring chance fest. I mean, usually, I think I think the average is about 10 per team per game. Yeah, around there. So that was uh, quite the offensive explosion. Not a lot of goals, though, because of some... <sighs> Some fantastic goaltending at both ends. Bruce, what is your good... We're going to do, uh, our, of course, our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast here. But because it's a win for the Oilers, we're going to go with two good things each. What's your first good thing? Well, I got got to single out Leon Dreisaitl in this game tonight. Uh, had the crowd chanting MVP, MVP at times. And uh, he was, as um, uh, Coach Tippett put it in the post game, in beast mode. And... Uh, uh, dominating the game in a number of ways, not least, of course, with the two power play goals that he scored uh, to first give the orders the lead and then to level the score 2-2 late in the second period. And then just an absolutely gorgeous assist on the game winner where he held the puck along the wall, protected it, waited the right moment, saw the play for Nuge to jump into the open and just popped a little short pass. But the timing of the pass, David, you know this as a soccer fan. It's all about the timing of when that pass is let go and which part of the field it gets rolled into. It doesn't necessarily have to be a 70-foot you know, saucer. It has to be it has to be visionary, and that was a visionary pass, and uh, Nuge made the most of that chance with a wicked shot, his, his yeah. specialty, just inside the stick side post. That was uh, Lothar Matthias to Carl Heinz Rummenigge for the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was such a beautiful play. It really was. It was. Not just because it was like, Huge goal. Like, the Oilers mm-hmm. absolutely needed to win this game. They, they'd been on a bit of a... They'd only won one game in five. Mm-hmm. They needed to win. And mm-hmm. uh, Calgary lost. Vancouver lost. 
Did anyone else lose? All those teams have been winning. And finally Arizona, a couple- Arizona finally won, so they, they uh, turned their thing around. But the thing is, even the teams that won didn't gain any ground on the Oilers. And yeah. the teams that lost, you know, they put two more points between themselves, Calgary, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. You know, who was potentially, you know, who knows how things break, but Winnipeg showed tonight they're not about to quit on the on the wild card race. And uh, they uh, sort of beat them in regulation and hold them without a point is just a little bit sweeter than than one of those other Bettman-style wins. Um. My good thing, well, I'll start with the obvious one. Mike Smith was just, this is probably, he's had two games like this. This is the second game where he's absolutely stood on his head. I think it was against Pittsburgh. Was it not? In um, November. Yeah. And he was just unreal. Of course, after that, he went on this horrendous slump, but let's not talk about that. But he he was just so dialed in tonight. And he, (laughs) he was, you know what, you know, he makes the Oilers so dangerous with his puck moving. And um, in the playoffs, this is going to be a big factor. You know, teams can resort to dump and chase a lot in the playoffs because it gets so tight. And you have a goalie like that who's firing off those passes. And, man, that guy, he's got, he's got the, the balls of steel. I mean, that one it pass does. he made up the middle, the guys, two guys skating right at him up the middle, and he threaded the needle between them mm-hmm. on the pass. Like, holy moly, man. Hit, you Hit McDavid, eh? <laughs> what a... Um, but his puck, his, his, the saves he made, he was so dialed in, so fired up. Um, you know, there, this is, this is, this is what highlight of the year, along with the goalie fight and that big game in Pittsburgh. This was, this was Mike Smith's night and, um, his save percentage since, um, January 1st, Bruce, and not mm-hmm. including this game is 915. So he has been really strong for the Oilers when they really needed strong goaltending. Koskinen's really been struggling. Mm-hmm. He has an 8.93 uh, save percentage since mid-December. Uh, I think he's got four wins and seven losses in that time, where now Smith has, I think, 11 wins and uh, five losses. So good for Mike Smith. Um, a lot and of four, people doubted him. Points in four of the five losses even. So, you yeah. know, not at least getting some something out of every game. Yeah, almost every game. Just one regulation loss. That's uh, that's a nice roll. There was a lot of doubt about Mike Smith heading into the season, and I think it was honestly it was justifiable. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think I wrote at the time that it's probably a coin flip uh, about whether he's going to be a useful player for the Oilers. Probably about fifty fifty, and um, so far the coin flips paying off, and uh, good for I guess Tippett and Holland knew something about this player, and he's proving them right. So. Uh, kudos to all three of them tonight. Bruce, what's your second good thing? Well, I got to go with that power play at the end of the second period. That was a, that was a huge game turner for the Oilers. Uh, they had lost the plot uh, a little before that. They led one nothing, and they played pretty good up to about halfway through the second. And then they started to get a little bit loose on the defensive side of the puck, and then there was a couple of near misses. And then Winnipeg struck for two goals in the same minute uh, to take the lead. And they kept coming after that. And, and it didn't look good. And then Edmonton got a, a... The Winnipeg player took a real bad penalty in the corner for grabbing Riley Sheehan. I mean, not sure what he was thinking. But that brought out the uh, lethal Edmonton power play that had <clears> scored <throat> late on their first opportunity. And the second opportunity, man... They were just all over them. They had four grade A scoring chances in 
what, 40 seconds? And as they said on TV, they said they called them great. Notice how everybody's using their terminology now, grade A chances? <laughs> they were calling A++++ chances. Ah, like, yeah. there you go. Yeah, They certainly were. Like, uh, Connor Hellebuck made at least two dazzling saves, and Nugent Hopkins hit a post uh, in the build-up to that goal. It was one good chance after another after another, and the Oilers would recover the puck, reset the cycle, and get it going again. And... When they finally connected, it was a, a beautiful sauce pass from Nugent Hopkins to McDavid, and he fired a seeing-eye hard shot pass that was aimed for Drysaddle's stick, and Drysaddle put his stick where it would do the most good and tipped her home. Eleven seconds left in the period, I think, probably probably 1948 <clears throat> officially. But yeah. that took the Oilers to the room at two to two, and it was just a gigantic goal, and that was uh, the special teams. Uh, Superiority. The Oilers lost this game at five on five, two two goals to one, but they scored on both their power plays and they killed both the Winnipeg's power plays, and uh, that was the difference. Fantastic. Yeah, Bruce. Um, McDavid sure on the power play. Like when he was out, they sure missed him on the zone entries. He uh, he's still getting. He's still coming back. I think. I think he's still a little bit um, off his game. Still. My wife, said, my wife said exactly that about partway through this game. She says, Connor's still not 100%. And I said, you mean from from last April or from last month? She said, oh, no, just the recent one. But she says he's yeah. not quite there yet. He's playing, but he's playing through it. He's and a little rusty. Bang on, right. But uh, his, his boy, when he was gone, the zone entries were a, a major chore. Oh. I don't think they ever got it right. And uh, But it, they're, they did a little better tonight with that. <clears throat> okay, Bruce, my um, second good thing, it's a number of, I've remarked on this a number of times this year because I just can't get enough of it. I just love the Oilers' breakout this year, the passing up the middle of the ice. Um, mm-hmm. It is so effective. And it's partly effective because they've got defensemen who can execute it, Caleb Jones now, Ethan Bear. I thought Adam Larson was really actually pretty heady with the puck, making uh, just making little feints yes. and uh, clever moves with the puck tonight. Nurse was, was strong. And then the centers that they're working with <coughs> are all really strong at it as well. So I was thinking about like this, this breakout, you could probably get like 10 um, video clips of just absolutely gorgeous orders breakouts in this game. And that's probably like eight more than they would have had during the <coughs> last seven years or so. And I was going through the new Jera of Oilers defensemen here, Bruce. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read some of the names of defensemen, the, the non-puck moving defensemen the Oilers have had since Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been on the team. Cam Barker, Colton Tubert, Mark Fistrick, Theo Peckham, Laddie Smead, Nick Schultz, Keith Ollie, Adam Party, Nikita Nikitin, Mark Fain, Eric Griba, Brandon Manning, and Alex Petrovic. Not one of those players it would be close to getting on the ice with the Oilers this year, although Brandon Manning did, I should say, for a, for a short amount of time, which was madness at the time. It was even it was madness even then. But um, the Oilers don't have any defensemen like that anymore. Chris Russell is very cautious moving the puck, and Adam Larson can have his troubles. And but they're both like Russell can make a pass, and so can Larson. There's mm-hmm. no one close to being this bad, you know, of those players in terms of puck moving that uh, 
that are on the Oilers right now. And the, and Oscar Kleffbaum, of course, is out of the lineup. So when he comes back in, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to sit. Um, and Mike Green is also, I, I mean, we didn't see a lot of him, but he has a reputation of being an outstanding puck mover. <clears throat> so this is a different, and it's such a relief, different era or different team for puck moving in. It is such a bloody relief because I couldn't, it was just driving me crazy the, the the you know the way they would get hemmed in and even last year the way they would get hemmed in, and uh, those days are gone. Thank goodness. Bruce, your bad thing. Yeah, you were going to go first because we were going to do these things in oh. chronological order. Remember? Okay. <clears throat> the um, the first goal against we're going to both we're going to just cover the two goals. The first goal against was really, it's a bad thing. You know, it was it was definitely a sequence of pain, but man, was that ever a lightning attack by the Jets. And I think mm-hmm. this is the theme on both these goals, like some tr- yep. tremendous attacking by the Jets. But the order, there was a number of mistakes by the Oilers. Um, Larson got beat on the boards, Jones got beat on the boards, and Shane got beat on the back check on the first goal against. All, you know, tough plays. This is going to happen in the NHL when you're, when you're going against really, really skilled teams. And I thought actually Larson and uh, Jones were, were were very strong tonight. Mm-hmm. But on this play, they both made mistakes and bang in the back of the net. So that's my bad thing. It's just the um, the three breakdowns on that goal against. Yeah, that partnership, I, I thought they were excellent in this game. But, uh, yeah, I that, agree. That was a play where things happened fast. Eh? Like the Jets are, 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 are a quick strike team and they got some real speed uh, on their side. Um, same happened on the second goal in terms of uh, they came out um, um, two on two, and it was Blake Wheeler against Ethan Bear. And this was just like what forty seconds, thirty four seconds after the after they tied it up. The order's been ahead one nothing for quite a long time, and all of a sudden it was like bang bang, and Blake Wheeler um, just. Turn tied poor Ethan Bear into knots. He st- <laughs> stick handled basically right through him, put the puck through his legs, went around him, and Bear got sucked into playing the puck and not trying to step into the man at all. And and uh, uh, he uh, uh, he got beat bad on that play. There's no way, <laughs> other way to put it. And Arnold Nurse wasn't in bad position, but what he didn't do right was he didn't did ever look over his shoulder. He never did the shoulder check, and Kyle Connor, who's a who's a brilliant attacker for Winnipeg, very very good player, and he did the thing that some snipers do, and which is uh, uh, time his arrival at the net front. And what he did was he kind of faded out a little bit wide, so he was coming in just a second later than you might expect, and Nurse was closing a gap that he thought was there, and in the meantime Connor was sort of arriving just that that second later. And uh, that Wheeler was able to pull the puck back where Nurse couldn't reach it onto Connor's stick and bang into the net with no mistake. That was a, a, a great finish by Connor, but he set himself up for the finish by the route that he took to the net, the delayed uh, release that uh, just allowed just enough gap from his perspective between him and Nurse for that pass to get through and for him to make the finish. But from a defensive perspective, it was one where a shoulder check from Nurse rather than puck-focused 
uh, as Bear was getting beat, Nurse was kind of glued to what was going on over on that side of the ice. Right? Kind of hard to not watch. Yeah, well, yeah. It's like a car yeah. crash, right? Yeah, it's like driving by a, <laughs> the rubberneck. And, yeah, yeah and anyway. In a traffic jam. So, of course, we give, them both, we give them both errors. But in this particular play, Nurse's error was relatively small. And Bear's was uh, uh, pretty central to what happened. But the fact is they both got beat and the puck wound up in the net and... All of a sudden, uh, Oilers fans, I'm pretty sure, I, well, speaking from a from an in-depth survey of two fans, uh, had uh, uh, a sudden knot in the pit of their stomach that uh, with this recent struggles to win games, that even the game where they'd been playing not too bad up to that point, and it looked like suddenly Winnipeg was starting to get the better of them and, and trouble was brewing. You know, another little bad thing in that game, I'm going to sneak this one in here, was Andreas Athanasiou. He's struggling a little bit, isn't he? He got bumped down to the fourth line. Maybe he's struggling with injury. Third line, he, yeah. Or was it the third line? Well, I, I would call Shea and Archibald the third line. Okay, that's the third line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's still finding his place. Ennis has fit right in. You know, of course, this is what's forgotten is Ennis was significantly higher even strength scorer this year than Athanasiou. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's no surprise to see Tyler Ennis have some success, and he's buzzing around there and making plays. So is he ever? Yeah, is he ever? Little guy, and he just doesn't. He's got a motor on him that just go, go, go away. Eh? And uh, maybe a little bit that number sixty-three and his stature and his kind of his skating style and his quickness of his uh, attack. But uh, um, not saying he's our Brad Marchand, but maybe he's the poor man's version thereof. You know, he's not that kind of a of a he doesn't have the full breadth of Marchand's guile. Let's Maybe say. he's our Bobby Lalonde. But yeah, but he's <laughs> uh, he's been impressive, and he was pumped tonight. And you could, I mean, here's this guy, 30 years old, that grew up, you know, cheering for the Oilers, playing for Knights of Columbus, and uh, uh, he was playing his first home game as an Edmonton Oiler. I would hope he'd be pumped, and he was, and he played really well. So hats off to him. Just by the by, what did you think of Cassian on the uh, dry settle line? Well, I didn't think it was a bad idea to put him there when Yamamoto wasn't available. Like, I know in the pregame he wrote that he'd be on the checking line, but, of course, in the pregame like that it looked was like happen, Yamamoto yeah. was going to play, and they decided to hold him out. So pretty decent landing spot for him. And he had he had his moments, but the rust showed, and he had four official giveaways in the game, which is not good for a guy who doesn't handle the puck all that often. Yeah. But uh, he had his moments, a couple of big hits, and, uh, you know, some speed and some... Uh, you know the the play didn't die in his stick. You know that line that line had some good uh, good pressure. So I, I liked him on that line. I actually thought that worked fairly well, and uh, I was certainly glad to see Kara not on the checking line. I had done a little research on natural stat trick before the game, uh, and <laughs> with Kara, Archibald and Sheehan have a twenty five goals four percentage, twenty five percent goals four percentage. Um, I think it was like. Four, and four, 12, goal, four, four goals, four and 12 goals against. Now, of course, this game, I think they were out for both. Were they not Shane and Archibald out there with for both and Russell out there for both goals against? I might be wrong about that, but they were certainly out there for one of them. Uh, and, yes, uh, they were. Both goals, the whole line yeah, was out so there. Didn't work with, with the Patrick mm. Russell either, but um, I'm glad it wasn't Kara. He's just, uh, I mean, he didn't have a bad game. Juju had some chances. Yeah, he had a good time. game. Yeah, he was actually. 
But he started the year with those guys, and they remember they started the year in the slump, and they two of them got yeah. hurt. And so, I mean, part of the reason maybe they were in a slump was they weren't clicking with Kara. But part of the reason that the results look so bad now is the time of year they played together was when all three of them were struggling. That is so. true. Shane and Archibald were yet to find their kind of rhythm with the mm-hmm. team. Bruce, what's your number tonight? Well, I'm going to go with 15. That's the number of power play goals by Leon Dreisaitl now. Wow. He had one. After 28 games, he had one power play goal. And tonight, two more. And uh, up to 15 on the season and 42 points, which uh, uh, thank- he was trailing McDavid most of the year, but he's now got one more power play point than McDavid. Of course, he's played six more games. But he is such a weapon on the power play to pass, shoot, control the puck, win face-offs. Like, he's got a lot of... Uh, a, a lot of different uh, uses and win, you know, win battles along the puck, to, along the boards to retrieve pucks was uh, uh, in his game, in his, uh, uh, in this plus column tonight for sure. So, uh, yeah, 15 power play goals. That's a real nice number. And of course, there's still, there's every chance he could get to 20. How many goals does he have now? 39. 39. Wow. He may get to 50, eh? 63 assists, and they were saying he has 10 in his last 11 games, which yeah. is easily verifiable. But uh, last year, he just kept heating it up all down the stretch. Remember, I think around six, game 65, I don't think he was on pace for 50 then, neither, but he was close. And now he's just right there that if you prorate it, it's 49, I think. I love how much I'm hearing all of a sudden his name come up in MVP discussions. Mm-hmm. Um he won it's, some converts on Hockey Night in Canada tonight. He sure did. Uh, like well, that. my number relates to Dreisaitl and McDavid as well, Bruce. Okay. Um, they were both in on um, a high number of grade-A scoring chances, Dreisaitl 7, McDavid 8. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Bruce, this I, I love this one-two punch right now. And it's all the better now that McDavid is – I think, you know, Ennis is working out with McDavid and – I could see Cassian going there eventually, probably, and or Athanasiu. We're going to have two lines going into the playoffs, I'm hoping, here, that are just this one-two punch. And, it, you know, last year it was the Oilers would get behind a goal in a game and it would be over unless McDavid and Drysaddle on the same line were able to come up with something because the other three lines could come up with nothing. They were all slow, couldn't forecheck, and it was just a recipe for losing. So you send this one-two punch out there. Mm-hmm. That is that is awesome, and and it's just got to be what a nightmare for the opposing coach because you know you have your shutdown pair and maybe you got another pair that can handle mm-hmm. them, but good luck with that. You know you just survive the dynamite line, right? You just you've you, you've lived through now Yamamoto's out, but you've just when he comes back, you just survived Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, and Drysaddle, and out comes McDavid, Ennis, and Cassian. You know that's mm-hmm. going to be. That's going to be a lot of fun when that happens. And we're starting to get a taste of it already so, in these games. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait. I cannot wait, Bruce, because it's been a long time. It's been a long time since mm-hmm. we've had two attacking lines like that in Edmonton. Yeah, well, they, they asked, they were interviewed Nuge in the post game, and they asked him about his recent scoring, scoring binge. Yeah. And I suggested to my wife that the appropriate answer for Nuge to give, which we both knew would never say in a million years, was that they finally got me some freaking line mates. 
he would never say that. Yeah, I know he would never. That's why it's kind of funny to put words in someone's mouth (laughs) sometimes. We got a good laugh out of that. But, uh, uh, you know, after after playing, you know, second line minutes against second toughs and and, uh, with the, uh, uh, you know, James Neal or uh, last year Milan Lucic or Chase on, you know, guys that aren't necessarily fast, uh, guys that aren't necessarily real strong defensive players. And, you know, Nuge was doing a lot of the heavy lifting and playing center, and he's looking so comfortable now on the wing. And he plays off dry saddle so well. They were both the radio and the TV. We we're, were talking about the the business where, and Nuge himself about how playing with Leon and Leon protecting the puck so well, and Nuge's job is to get, find the holes and get open. Well, that's uh, that's kind of right down his alley. He has those skills. And he also has the skills to bury that shot when he gets a look. So what a beautiful shot by Adrian Hopkins. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, he, he uh, I like him defensively as a winger. I think he was a mediocre defensive center. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't cover the slot very well, but I think he's actually a pretty good defensive winger. Like I mm-hmm. think he's actually very a very good defensive mm-hmm. winger. So um, yeah, it's really working on the penalty kill. All right, so they're playing Monday night. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and on it goes. The beat goes on. So they've got, now they're up to, without Clefbaum, which is a crucial part of the season, and are now up to 2-2-2 two, two, and two in that time. And really, I mean, other than the fact they managed to lose both the overtime games, they've, they've been splitting, you know, there were 2-2-2 two, two, and two in regulation, only you'd expect the one win in those two overtime games, but they didn't get them. But um, this win was huge. You couldn't, you couldn't, didn't want to have any extended winless streaks at uh, at this stage of the season. You know, you got to stop the bleeding and you got to stop it quick. And they did. Yeah, well, you know, Clefbaum's been out, and Jones, I think, has been getting stronger incrementally, as opposed to last year when when he was thrust into a top four role, he folded. He really struggled after he was, you know, he had really excelled in the uh, bottom pairing. Ken Hitchcock and everyone was raving about him, but then he just, his game fell apart. This time, he seems to be getting a little bit better each game. And he was really playing with confidence tonight. I've never uh, joining seen him the attack. Yeah. He's such a, I, I really, he's such a dynamic, smart hockey player. I really like his game. So I'm, I'm certainly rooting for him. Alrighty, Bruce. Well, you're doing the game grades tonight. I sure am, and I'm just taking a running start on them now. There'll be a while, but uh, that was a, a f- fully uh, engaging game, and and it, it's to, to for me at least to properly interpret the game, I have to I have to have the whole the game as an entire package, and then spit out the the our uh, report from there. So it'll take a while, but it'll it'll get done. You got your process. Uh, I do. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's probably wouldn't work for anyone else, but (laughs) people love your game greats, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Bruce. After the game, thank you, David. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.